Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Option Show, or Sound Health Radio, with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And, as we know, Sherry Edwards is working on the Sound Health Portal. You can find out more about that by going to soundhealthportal.com and go to services and then look at the list of campaigns. And the campaigns are the ones that right now you can do as a, a free trial and you just sign up for a free account. They don't spam you. They don't really endlessly email you. They just need it to send a report to you. The campaigns are post-traumatic stress, PTSD, bio-diet, neuroplasticity. I think golf is still there. (laughs) Every week I have to chuckle. Golf, but it really can make a difference, seeing the imbalances in the system. And so you go to Sound Health Portal, you sign up for the free account, you pick your campaign, and you do two 45-second recordings right through your computer, and they'll walk you, the system walks you through all this. You do your recordings and choose the campaign that you want, and within a couple of hours, to the most I've ever waited is about 10 hours, you'll get a full report of the state of imbalances in your system or what, what's too much, what's hypertonistic, or what's hypotonistic, what's low. With an amazing amount of information, I suggest having a cup of tea and sitting down and reviewing it because it's an amazing report. And every week, Sherry comes up with some new chart. Uh, if you go to soundhealthoptions.com and look at, I believe, media or classes, you'll be able to go and view any number of live feed web recordings that Sherry has done demoing the Sound Health portal. And you can see the amazing amount of information that's available. It really is. Every time I watch her do a demo, I just think, wow. I didn't even think of that. But to see things that are, roughly it all comes down to what's too much, what's too little, how that can affect the rest of the system and the sort of effect, whether you're looking at the methylation cascade or hormone imbalances or, in the case of neuroplasticity, a particular favorite of mine, looking at how the brain is firing and what's going on there. You can see what you might want more of or less of. Soundhealthportal.com. It's amazing. For the replay of this show, and knowing Kristen Grace McCary's work, this is a show where you're going to want to hear the replay and probably send it to friends and go, oh my, look, you could help heal yourself. I know that seems like a radical idea, actually helping heal yourself. in such a clear, well-guided program. It's really great. And you can get the replay of the show right afterwards. Well, it takes about 15 minutes. But you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, then click on Sound Health Radio. And there at the top, we now have two links where you can either choose Stitcher or my favorite, Pocket Casts, and click on that, and it'll show you today's show, give you a list of other shows we've done. And this show will be there in about, the podcast aggregators take about a half an hour. And you'll be able to find the replay there and share it easily with both of those to your friends and or you can click on the show link, which will take you back to Blog Talk Radio with the show notes in the chat. And with that, health and lifestyle expert Kristen Grace McCary is an internationally recognized author and speaker. She's an authority on autoimmunity, functional blood chemistry analysis, thyroid and gut health, alleviating pain, family wellness, extreme exhaustion, resolving blocks to healing, and food as medicine. She offers more than two decades of education, clinical experience, and wisdom to her patients. 
weaving dozens of modalities together to compassionately meet you where you are and guide you to vibrant health. Renowned for her health detective work, taking the guesswork out of healthcare, working to resolve patients' root imbalances, helping them to regain lasting energy and live with more vitality. Combining the best gut healthy elements of primal, paleo, and ketogenic nutritional plans, Grace offers a one-of-a-kind approach for optimal digestive health in her step-by-step guide, Holistic Keto for Gut Health. Unlike the traditional keto diet, which contains inflammatory foods, Kristen's science-based functional ketogenic program emphasizes a holistic nutritional and lifestyle plan to repair your gut while avoiding the dangers of gluten, dairy, soy, starches, sugars, chemicals, and pesticides. She reveals how nearly everyone has some degree of gut damage and explains how this affects your immune function, energy levels, and many health issues. Kristen joins us to talk about holistic keto for gut health. Welcome, Kristen. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be an adventure. <laughs> I know. I'm already thinking there's going to be a second show. I just can feel it in the air. Sometimes it's palpable. I can already go, oh, there's going to be another one of these. Um, I, want to start at a, I want to start at an odd location, but you will know why I'm asking you this. Mm-hmm. Why don't we want to lose weight? Mm-hmm. Well, when you lose your keys, what do you want to do? <laughs> you usually want to find yes. them. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. when we lose something, it implies that it's a negative thing and we, we should really go find it again. We've lost something. We've, and it, it's like hard and painful and we might be searching for it or we might have heartbreak over lost love. So we want to find new love. And so I don't necessarily believe that most people really want to lose weight only to refine it again. I believe that it's more appropriate or more honest, authentic to release weight and not have to go look for it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just had to ask because I hear people <laughs> talk about weight loss and I'm thinking loss is Got so many, you know, we we have loss when we lose a loved one. We we have loss, like you said, when we lose our keys. And it suddenly brings the sort of dog, I spend a lot of time with dogs, that dog thing, like if a dog loses something, it's running around looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. I don't think we ever need to look for our lost weight. Just release it. Let it go over there into the ethers. That's great. Okay. Um, you've had an amazing journey in healing yourself from an autoimmune condition in and out of traditional Western medicine. Would you tell us a little bit about the, what I'm calling the maze-like detecting to health that you've done or had or doing? Mm, Certainly. Mm -hmm, Certainly. I've actually healed from two different disorders. The first was fibromyalgia. Many, many years ago, almost 19 years ago was the last time, almost 20 years ago was the last symptom I ever had of fibromyalgia. And I had been pre-med and I was nationally certified as an EMT and did some volunteer work in emergency room and was on the, the path to become a Western medical physician and became very, very ill myself. And that's when my detective work began. And in peeling off all of the layers that had blocked my body's ability to heal on its own, 
I discovered dozens of various modalities that were not necessarily popular or in the conventional mainstream media or healthcare industry. And I decided to shift my focus from Western medicine to Asian medicine and from there functional medicine, homeopathy, biological medicine, and so forth. And my detective work uncovered many, many areas that don't necessarily seem obvious to the Western medical world. And some of those were uh, suppressed trauma from physical car accidents and emotional trauma that was literally locked in my tissues, in my structure, in my fascia. And somato-emotional release and advanced cranial sacral therapy and homeopathy helped begin to peel off those layers and EMDR. I did dozens of different modalities. And my detective work also led me to my gut. And looking at food as medicine, which, of course, I learned in Asian medical school, and I took it beyond just the five elements um, of Asian medicine, and the flavors of foods have an impact, the, the meridian in which that nutrient may enter, according to Asian medicine, has an impact, but there's more. There's also emotional components around eating and why and how we nourish ourselves. So my detective work took me down that path and I uh, released 30 pounds of weight that I had gained because of Western medical pharmaceuticals that I was taking for pain. Um, and then I found another uh, trail that I went down in functional medicine, functional blood chemistry analysis. And functional blood chemistry analysis helped me early on discover that I had some significant nutrient deficiencies that were subclinical, meaning the Western medical doctors didn't know or understand how to identify those deficiencies. For example, I had two different kinds of anemia that were not screaming at the Western medical doctors, so they dismissed it, but it actually had a huge impact on my health. And I also, later, that's how I found that I had an autoimmune disease. So after I healed from fibromyalgia, about 10 years later, I started to have weird symptoms again, but different this time. And went on a new health detective journey to discover what was going on and dove deeply into studying functional blood chemistry analysis myself and discovered through, with a colleague of mine and various testing that I had an autoimmune disease. And that's why uh, nothing that the Western medical docs were telling me to do or take was working to help balance my thyroid and alleviate symptoms. And so I started to make a lot of different changes in my life. And one of them was working with my gut and healing my gut because your digestive system, your gut holds about 75% of your immune system. It's in charge of a huge portion of that. And if your gut is out of sorts, then your immune system can be out of sorts or dysregulated. And mine was, it was attacking my thyroid. And I then went on, you know, many more health detective journeys down many more different rabbit holes to discover the underlying causes. There were absolutely mind, body, and spirit factors that informed, influenced uh, the symptom pattern I was having and the quote-unquote disease label I was given. 
I think that's such a tricky thing that Western medicine does where they label people because it sets that it goes back to that's really why I wanted to start with a question about lose weight you know reducing weight or really reducing weight uh, other languaging and I think this partially comes from a number of times when I've interviewed Bruce Lipton and he really, he really I coined the phrase with him about our cells are listening Mm-hmm. And I think they give people, because I've seen people, as in, we talked a bit backstage about that I, I had an herbal practice in a retail herb store. And you would come in, I would see people come in with a label, and they would be attached to that label. And they would be constantly, um, well, in some cases, grinding away in their mind that I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And I just think our cells are going, okay, I, we've got that directive. We're on that. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's one of the pieces of your work that I think is, well, it's all great, but that's in part of this whole program that you have with the holistic approach of you also have to do something about what's going on in your head. You can't just set that aside like, oh, no, I, I have fibro. And then you keep saying that, but you're trying to help. The body wants to work. We're, we're a system. We're kind of a closed-loop system. We put stuff in, it grinds away, it, and it does stuff that makes nutrition, it makes things. But it's really trying to be a balanced system. It's not trying to be – It's not the body's not thinking about losing weight. It's thinking about getting back to its healthy, as somebody in chat said. Uh, they want to find their optimal weight again that they probably had in their youth. Yeah. Let's get back to when we were just vital and healthy. And – and that thing that you talk about with the talk a bit more if you would about that our what I call our cells are listening that thing in the immune system where you you also talk about I was going to ask this later but I'll toss it out now about psychosomatic inflammation where there can be a whole and that's a whole package unto itself that can occur from I think grinding away in the brain Yes, I I love all the places that you just went. I I love Bruce Lipton's work, and I do believe that the body speaks the mind through a language of symptoms and stress in people's lives. And labels can be damaging because we associate our identity with them. And in my case, when I was going from doctor to doctor and they were telling me to go see a a shrink, a a therapist, because um, clearly this was in my mind, they couldn't find anything, quote unquote, wrong with me. And I'd go to a therapist and a psychologist and they'd say, "Uh, you need physical help. Like there's something wrong with you. They just haven't found it yet. And they'd send me back to the doctor and For me, getting a label of fibromyalgia was a relief because I wasn't crazy. (laughs) It, It somehow validated my experience. But then the key was peeling the label off and not identifying with that label, never, ever saying my fibromyalgia or my migraines or my pain, Mm -hmm. never, instead saying the pain, the fibromyalgia, the migraine. So that I didn't associate who I was with that symptom. And so the cells are listening. The cells are listening to our unconscious mind. Our unconscious mind runs about 95 to 98% of everything we do say, think, feel. We're not aware of it. We're often on autopilot and we don't even know it. And the more we can heighten our awareness of our habits of autopilot, 
the more awake we become and the better listeners we become to our body. And when we're listening, we can then learn tools and skills to translate the language of symptoms so that we can better meet our needs and harmonize unconscious patterns that may be programming ourselves for dysfunction or upregulating genes for illness or downregulating them if we change our thinking. So just to tie back into to what Bruce teaches and what many men, like uh, I'm thinking of, um, of uh, Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden and um, it, it, these, these thought leaders in the field of integrative uh, mind, body, spirit, healthcare and work and living are, are proving now scientifically that what we think causes chemicals to be released and changes our biochemistry. And this is just phenomenal news. And it puts the power of our health and our life and our well-being back into our hands. And that, to me, is vital. And it's also very exciting. Exciting to remember that we are in charge of our destiny, and it's it's not to uh, move into uh, pretending there isn't pain or suffering. It's not to ignore pain or suffering. It's to listen to it in a very different way. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks quite a bit about the science behind our our neurobiology and chemistry and how our thoughts impact that. And, And it's not that there isn't pain and suffering on the world, but it's how we work with it. It's how we use our mind to shift our own reality that really makes the difference. Well, it seems in my experiences uh, it, when I was an active practitioner is that the mind was the tipping point in when somebody would step into health. They could be working on something, working on something, working on something, whether it be, well, in those days, those was sort of, that was in the Wayback Machine, there wasn't really fibro then. There was those kind of inflammatory conditions. But somebody would be working somebody, but then you'd see something click, whether it be meditation or some kind of process, mind-oriented process. I'm also a big fan of EMDR, and that was the early days of EMDR. You know, something would click or clear, and then they could go down the path of wellness. But if your mind is still grinding away at, I have this and the thing, and I'm... The brain is just listening. Like you say, the brain is driving. And I just think it's it's such a powerful, that's one of the aspects of your work that I really like is you add that in. Yes, you're, talk, you're, you're talking functional medicine blood work, which we'll get to, but you're also adding in the, hey, what you're thinking, thinking, thinking is a thing. Mm-hmm. Change that. It's really powerful and it's underrated, I think. Um, I want to ask, a, or I want to make a sort of a statement and ask a question at the same time. In my experience, traditional Western medicine is, is might be good at diagnosing a condition, but when it comes to immune conditions, 
they're not real good at treating them. They don't seem to have, and, and part of it may be that they still don't seem to understand that food is medicine, that what you put in your body is what you're working with. And was was part of your path to gut, what I'm really jumping toward is how did you go, really, I have to fix the gut before we can do anything else. The gut has to be the priority. It is the foundation. And that seems to be a part that traditional Western medicine, I'm not picking on traditional Western medicine. If I have, I used to be a chef, so if I have a small appendage and a bag of ice, I'm going to a hospital immediately have to put that back on. I'm not going to meditate over it. So I'm a big fan of that kind of Western medicine. But when it comes to the more what I would consider subtle things like immune issues, they might be good at telling you that you have Hashimoto's or good at telling you that you have fibro, but then it gets a little, they're sending you to a shrink, which some work beneficial, but how did you get to gut as being really the key, the center of the program and working out from there? Mm-hmm. Well, first, I love that we're not bashing Western medicine because we share similar views. I appreciate the gifts of Western medicine. I think Western medical docs are doing their very best in a system that has their arms tied behind their back in a lot of ways and and that they're taught uh, to treat symptoms and not look for the root causes. And, you know, if they have 30 minutes of nutrition in all of their training, they're fortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're spot on. If, if I have a compound fracture, I'm, I'm going to the ER and I'm going to have the best mechanic in that ER fix my arm. I get it. And I don't actually think they're very good at diagnosing until there's 90% tissue damage. And then Western medicine, the system, will diagnose you. I'm more interested in prevention and more interested in, let's say there's only 10% or 20% of tissue damage, let's guide the patient then to vibrant health and avoid the other 80% of pain and suffering that they're going to go through. Western medicine doesn't know how to do that. And in my own health journey and in my several decades of of study and, and credentialing and clinicals, I read and then made very clear scientific connections to the gut and the immune system. There's something called the enteric nervous system, and this is the brain of the gut, so to speak. And the enteric nervous system has more connections from the gut going up to the brain or to the central nervous system than the central nervous system has going down to the gut, which I found very fascinating. And then my further studies discovered the very, very close connection between the immune system and the gut and the conversations around the microbiome that we literally have pounds, like three to five pounds of bacteria in us. That is not our own. We have more genetic bacteria or, or more bacterial genetics, like the genetic from bacteria material in our gut, in our microbiome, than we do in our own human, in our own, own human cells. And so when I started to learn this 
and discover, oh my gosh, it is so intimately connected, the immune system and the gut. And then looking at my whole history, it turns out I had celiac disease and I didn't find that out till my 30s. So I had 30 plus years of hurting my gut and not even knowing it. Hurting my immune system, causing dysregulation in my immune system every time I ate gluten. And not only that, but I cross-react. There's a very specialized test that checks for cross-reactivity of certain foods that are similar enough to gluten or the gliadin protein or other gluten proteins that your body reacts as if it's gluten and causes massive inflammation that can last months and months and months. And I had no idea what was going on inside my body. But the damage was happening day after day, month after month, year after year, until boom, I got 90% of tissue damage. I got the diagnosis. I was super sick. Now, had someone done those tests, the first you know five or 10 tummy aches I had when I was younger that would have prevented so many problems. So I I began to connect the dots and then work with patients and started to confirm, oh my gosh, when we start to change their gut through nutrition, through lifestyle, through hydration, through supplementation, through emotions, working with the emotions that impact the gut, their relationships, their stress level, the chemicals in their environment, etc. we started to get profound changes. And things that Western medicine said weren't possible became possible. And people really began to heal themselves. And I, my body, healed itself. And so once you have the foundational, I want to get back to hydration in just a sec. Um, once mm-hmm. you begin to heal yourself, then you, be, you have the, what I've observed is you have a downward spiral, which is part of that grinding away in your brain about what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me, what's wrong with me. Or then you get a diagnosis that you can then get, get attached to. There's this other thing that can occur that I've watched happen in people where they get what I call the upward spiral. And that is when you begin to feel an underrated, you know, there's nowhere on my chart ever in Western medicine intake where they ask, how you feel? How do you, what do you think about how you feel? There is no feeling. We don't have feeling. It doesn't fit. And so you have this amazing thing that occurs when you begin to start better and then you start to feel better in your case, in your case, healing your gut, beginning to have nutrition actually happening you have that upward spiral of you know feeling like you're like jack lalane well maybe not exactly without the leotards um but you're you know you just have that upward cascade it's it's a wonderful and beautiful moment not a phrase i would use often people would not suspect i would use the term beautiful moment but it really is it's an amazing thing to suddenly have that like wow there's a light and that's why i think the gut is so vital because it's the center of it's the furnace it's where everything happens it's where everything gets break broken down and i think that's that's so exciting about the the idea of having celiacs for 30 years and not knowing it and nobody thinking to test for that really mm-hmm. wow gut problems it's it's amazing 
um, you know, this is well, and the one doctor that did test for it um, said I didn't have it, (laughs) and it took going to several (laughs) doctors to do the right kind of test that was most accurate to discover it. And actually, they said I had. celiac Hashimoto's, that their their science is now proving that celiac is not isolated to the gut, that it can impact any organ in your body, and most um, vulnerable is your brain. Mm. Say more about that, would you please? Certainly. So this is well known in science now. There's gobs of, of very prestigious Western medical journals that are associating uh, celiac disease with damage to any organ and even an autoimmune disease to any organ. So gluten or cross-reactive agents of gluten can trigger such immune dysfunction in the body that the body can then attack any organ, including the brain. And I don't think it's a mistake that we have Alzheimer's and dementia on the rise. Now, it's not all gluten-related. Some of it is insulin resistance-related and diabetes-related and uh, chemical, aluminum, different kinds of toxicity-related. But some of it is related to immune dysfunction. And a lot of it can be tied back to foods like gluten, um, other inflammatory foods like dairy and if we don't know what we don't know. And so doing the proper kind of testing with physicians who actually, or healthcare providers who actually understand how to read those tests uh, really make a huge difference. And I have to ask this question because you used the secret word. We, we out here, not being a practitioner, are we loosely use the term inflammation. Would you talk a bit more about inflammation, what it is, and is it an, is it, it is an indicator of something? I think inflammation, I think of inflammation as like a flag on a play. I'm not a sports person, that's the best I can do. Um, but, I, but I think it's that, you know, that inflammation is going, hey, look over here. So talk to us a bit about inflammation, what it is, what it might indicate, how we can use it as possibly a guide. I'm not sure. Talk about inflammation. You're spot on. Yeah, you're spot on. I think it is like a flag and and a little bit more because it's it's not an innocent flag that only waves. It also can cause damage. So maybe it's like a flag on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to play with your analogy. So inflammation is basically part of every single disease pattern that science has discovered. So if you have inflammation, you're on your way to some kind of significant imbalance in your in your body. And you had said to speak about the psychosomatic aspect of inflammation, so I will do my best to remember that. (laughs) Otherwise, remind me, because it's really interesting, and I I get very excited to share about it. So inflammation can – I like to – let me back up. I like to explain oxidative stress first, free radical damage first. 
because I find that this is one of the main places of inflammation, of the starting point of inflammation. And my analogy is think of your body as a house. And let's say it's wintertime, you're in the house, and the way you heat your house is with a fireplace. And this is like your metabolism. And your metabolism warms your body, and, and this fireplace will warm your house. But you have to feed it. You have to feed it fuel. And so you're going to eat food just like you're going to put wood into your fireplace so that your metabolism runs and, and all of your systems run and you can live in your house comfortably. The challenge is that even just basic eating and breathing, just basic adding fuel to the fire causes smoke. It causes black soot that will stain your white carpet. It can cause a spark to fly out of the fireplace and catch a blanket on fire. It can cause the, the smoke can cause smoke damage to your beautiful white walls. This is like uh, free radical damage, injuring your cells, injuring your DNA, um, injuring the telomeres, the last little tails of your DNA, which we now understand contribute to aging or remaining vibrantly healthy and, and young looking longer. And so these are what I consider starting points of inflammation. Now, if we're eating antioxidants to combat the oxidative stress, then we have a better chance of keeping those white walls clean and our white carpet from catching fire or the blanket from catching fire and, and getting damaged. Antioxidants are in phytonutrients, plant-based nutrients, things that come from carrots and, and broccoli and collard greens and kale, all of these thousands and thousands of plant-based nutrients give us antioxidants. Uh, vitamin C is a very popular antioxidant, although most vitamin C on the market is synthetic, which is not as good for the human body. There was a huge study done in the UK on synthetic vitamin C, vitamin E, and beta carotene. And in this study, a little side note here in this study, um, they had to end the study uh, halfway through, which is about, I think, the five or 10 year mark instead of the 10 or 20 year mark, because so many people were dying in the group that were taking the antioxidants and the people who were taking the placebo and not taking any antioxidants, um, they were healthier. And they discovered that synthetic yeah. vitamins, vitamin C, beta carotene, and vitamin E, actually induced cardiovascular stress and disease. And so looking at mm -hmm. antioxidants from a natural perspective, getting your liposomal vitamin C, liposomal is a delivery system that's a liquid that is um, it's in a fat molecule that is absorbed right into your cells. So it doesn't have to go through the whole uh, entire digestive tract. If you take too much vitamin C, you'll get digestive pain and discomfort and diarrhea. So it bypasses that. So you can up your antioxidants with food, but you got to be able to digest and absorb them well. So a lot of people with gut issues, we will invite them to take a couple of supplements while they're healing their gut to up their antioxidants, with, which help with tissue repair. 
And that's anti-inflammatory. There's uh, glutathione is a huge antioxidant that we use for the brain and the body, for detoxifying, for tissue repair. There's many, but I'll I'll just leave it at vitamin C and glutathione liposomally um, ingested can be huge to counter inflammation. But food's not the only thing. We can have inflammatory lifestyles. So people who are endurance athletes tend to have more inflammation. We think working out is so good, and it is. But if you do too much, then you're causing more soot in your fireplace and more damage to your walls. And so uh, regular exercise is essential, but doing if you're doing more than an hour, you're likely causing more problems. Now, it depends on your genetics, of course. It depends on a lot of other factors, but that's a general rule of thumb. You could also have an inflammatory lifestyle if you have to sit in traffic for two hours a day and everyone around you is honking and you're always in a hurry and you're always running late and you've got a lot of stress. Maybe you have a high-powered career or you have a, a really challenging relationship at work with your boss. And that can be an inflammatory lifestyle that might need some tweaking and rebalancing and that can cause stress in the body. Cortisol, repeated cortisol releases can over time really cause a lot of stress on the body. And so uh, looking at that as well, our own thoughts can cause inflammation. If we are very, very angry and perhaps we were taught to suppress that anger, that it's not safe or uh, culturally acceptable to express anger, we suppress it in our body, those issues will get stuck in the tissues and we will have inflammation flare in our bodies because we haven't expressed the anger. It's like I've, I've met people who get big rashes And it's often, there's often an anger component to big, red, angry-looking rashes. And if someone look, if their symptom looks angry or their symptom looks very sad, then I like to ask those questions about emotions, like what was going on when this symptom came about in your life? Who, who were you around? What was happening emotionally? And so I've, I've touched on some different in, inflammation pieces um, because I, I think it's important to have a very holistic view of inflammation and to understand that sometimes we don't have control over our environment. Say I travel a lot and I'm in the the bathroom at the airport and they're using bleach. That's a chemical hit Mm. to my body. That can cause inflammation. I don't have a lot of control over that, but I do have control over my own environment in my home, the chemicals in my home, what I'm putting on my skin and body, the food I'm eating, if I'm eating organics or not. I'm I'm voting, I'm making choices with what I buy and what I choose to use on my skin as a consumer. And, and this has an impact on the bigger planet. It has an impact on my own health and inflammation. And so I like to bring up all of those pieces uh, for your listeners to, to consider, to contemplate, and to start looking at in their own lives. Well, I think that anything we can do in the over, in everything that you've said, everything that we can, I, I use the term total toxic load. And I think anything we can do to reduce our total toxic load, because I really include a lot of environmental factors in there, 
for instance, I live in an agricultural area. So that means there's spraying, there's stuff, there's, even though a lot of the, I live in Northern California in wine country, and even though they, they don't really spray like crop dusting, but they do in the dawn, early dawns, early light, when the grapes are forming, they put a lot of sulfur on the, on the plants. Um, they try not to use pesticides or chemicals because then that reduces the value of their product. But there's still a lot of stuff. So I try and have a, I, I think what you're saying is that if we have a foundationally healthy, we work from the inside kind of like from the gut out. We do everything we can to have our gut be as healthy as possible that will be more immune to or will be healthy enough to withstand the exposure of whatever is happening out there in the world, whether it's car exhaust or, well, glyphosate's a different story. But, you know, just everything that's happening, we make our own immune systems as, as healthy and as happy as possible. And happy, I think, is an underrated thing because I know people that I will be texting them afterwards the term inflammatory lifestyle and let them think about it for a while <laughs> because it's a thing it's really that that mind piece that you talk about along with everything else is so powerful that psychosomatic inflammation inflammation i i think i, I feel kind of about inflammation like i do about fever i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if we pay attention to it and deal with it but i know people well i was a chef for 20 years there's a lot of information in being a chef. The reason that if you, you know, any of the cooking shows that you watch, that you see a person who is actually a working chef, not a show chef, but an actual working chef, we all have hands that look like sausages. Well, the reason for that is because you're picking up hot things all day long that are hotter than you should, but you've adapted. Like in my brain, I can pick up something incredibly hot and I just have the, I won't get burned in my mind. So I've created that. However, your body still inflames because it's going, wow, that's really hazardous thing you're picking up. So we're inflamed a lot. And that's why I tell you, look at, you know, I don't know who to name. Somebody, a working chef, Aaron Sanchez. Um, we have inflamed fingers and hands. And that's, that's kind of a choice you make. And then years later, you go back and go, wow, because I haven't professionally cooked for more than 10 years but all those years where my fingers were sort of chronically inflamed well that was a result and and my body is dealing with some of those issues as a result of that but the psychosomatic part is so boy you just see people who get in it and just yeah it's a whole thing I'm sorry I got lost in thinking about beautiful. too many people I know who are beautiful <laughs> Well, I think you're speaking to resiliency, too. I mean, I love fevers. I gave a talk in Canada at a, at a huge event uh, on fevers as friend or foe because fevers are actually a really good thing, and we want to get a fever every year or every other year because it's a workout for your immune system. The sickest people I've met over the last couple of decades of work, um, the people that have really you know, chronic degenerative you know, cancers and different things are the people who said, well, I never got sick. I never got a fever. No, I was so healthy. It's actually not healthy to never get a fever. It means you don't, your immune system doesn't have the juice. It doesn't have the strength to kick something out. So fevers really are a good thing. And I, I heard you touch on resiliency, that 
you know, can we build our bodies up so that our immune systems, our gut, our health can handle an exposure to a chemical and it doesn't take us out, you know, and I'm, I understand because I used to be much more chemically sensitive. I avoid chemicals, but not because they put me in bed. They used to. I used to get migraines if I was around, you know, someone on an airplane who had a perfume. Oh, my gosh. It would be really hard on my body. And I continue to build resiliency so that my body can handle these things. I, I happen to live in a very clean environment in the jungle in Costa Rica with clean water and clean air and and so I'm building resiliency and then I go and I have experiences around chemicals and airports and thousands and thousands of people and then I, I come back. So I'm building a kind of flexibility and resiliency in my body so that uh, things don't take me out as easily as they used to. And I think it's important to work on this resiliency even if you can't live in a forest, you know, to be mindful that at least give yourself a break from the chemicals in your home. Give yourself a break from the electromagnetic fields and the Wi-Fi and the 5G and the da-da-da-da-da. At least give yourself some breaks so you're not inundated. Go out in nature. Go for a hike. Get your feet on the earth. It helps build resiliency. It helps us find a homeostasis and, and new set points of being in the world. Well, there's a whole wonderful, well, we'll we're doing more shows. Um, there's a whole conversation <laughs> to be had about micronutrients because I think there's a whole, uh, there's a uh, doctor, she was a medical doctor who became a botanist. So she went through all the process of becoming a medical doctor. Wow. And then she got disgusted with that industry and became a botanist. Diana's Bareford Kroger. And she wrote a book, I think, called The Call of the Forest. And I attended a workshop with her where what she was talking about was uh, her one of her prime uh, research spots was looking at in Japan, they have forests where you go, the forests are park-like areas. And the idea of going into the forest is you're going into the forest because you're inhaling the esters coming off of the trees that have an immuno benefit, cognitive enhancement, nootropic benefit that actually being in the forest, besides the beauty, you are actually getting medicinal benefit from being in forests. And I think there's a whole other thing on micronutrients. Of There's so many little tiny pieces, the electrolytes and all that stuff that, you know, if one thing is kind of missing, it can't go. You know, it hits that wall of like, where's that micronutrient? Where's Bob? We can't do this without Bob. And and I think there's so much benefit from being in nature, being in, I mean, it's beautiful and it's restful and, and hopefully you don't get cell signal out there. Maybe your phone isn't even in your pocket. It's just in the car. It's an amazing thing, micronutrients. Um, so there's all that benefit. And I, which leads me, I, w- I want to slightly sidestep for a moment. You used a key word up here earlier. Hydration. Wow, what an idea. Would you please talk, I know you have an attitude, and I mean that in such a good way, about hydration, that people get mistaken about what, when they think they're hydrating, but wait a minute, that's not, what are you doing? What? You're drinking what? Uh, so talk about hydration and the importance of hydration. Whoops, Kristen, did I lose you? 
Hello, I can hear you. There you are. You're back now. You're back now. Okay. No, I can hear you now. You were were muted. Sorry, I saw you. We lost you on the other side. So did you hear my rant about hydration that I wanted you to talk about hydration? Yes, I heard part of it, yes. Okay. Okay, so, so any, I, I was talking yeah. about the micronutrients, and, and I wanted to go back yes. to how important hydration is and how you have a somewhat surly, but I mean that in the best of ways, attitude about hydration and how people have a false belief about how they're hydrating and how important that yes. is. Please talk to and us And I believe that. it should be a micronutrient. <laughs> I think water, water really should be on the list of micronutrients. So at any given time, we are about 75% water. And if we're not replenishing that water, then we can't have optimal basic metabolic functioning. And if we're not metabolically functioning, functioning optimally, we are not detoxifying our cells and our systems and our organs properly. We are not hydrating them and feeding them nutrients properly. We will not have the transportation of nutrients going on in in an optimal way. And we will age more quickly. We will get more wrinkles. We will have systems start to not function optimally, like our immune system, our enteric nervous system, our endocrine system, which is hormones. And we will start to get more and more symptoms which leads us down the path of inflammation. Uh, Water is a natural anti-inflammatory. And water is also a natural antihistamine. So if someone's having an allergic reaction, one of the best things they can do is drink water, unless, of course, their throat is closing up. I don't mean that kind of reaction. I mean hay fever. I mean um, they're reacting to cat hair. Many times people have a stronger allergic reaction because they're dehydrated. They would have a much less reaction if they were hydrated. So water can make a huge, huge impact on that. Water is also naturally alkalinizing. Now I know, or alkalizing. So I understand that there are many companies selling this water machine and that water machine to make this more alkaline and you should be at 9.0 pH and oh no 7.0 is too acidic for water and there's not much research on that and so uh, I the jury is still out Um, in in my when I put my scientific hat on it seems a little foo-foo because as soon as the water hits your stomach you've got acid in your stomach it's going to change the pH I'm not convinced that that water is, um, that having more alkaline water is really going to make a difference. Now, if you add sodium bicarbonate to your water, now you'll start alkalinizing some things in your system. Uh, but just water on its own being super alkaline, I'm not yet convinced. Science has not been able to confirm that. I do believe some things that science can't confirm. I'm not saying that it may not be true. I just have not had enough information. I speak, I, I'm a keynote speaker at a lot of different healthcare shows and venues, and there's a lot of people selling all these products, and I've talked to dozens of them, and no one's been able to convince me yet. No one can answer the, the right questions yet or show me the right demo yet that proves to me that alkaline water is better. But water in general is so important for our health. We can go for days without eating, but if you don't drink water 
you die. <laughs> and it's just, it's just very important. Well, and, and one of the things that you talk about is drinking uh, <laughs> jolt, uh, not really, uh, you know, tea or coffee <laughs> or Gatorade or, you know, pick all these faux substances mm-hmm. is not water. You know, no, you're, yes, you're they're not hydrating. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I am drinking my morning cup of organic fair trade coffee. And I'm also drinking my third giant glass of water because I've, I've been a fan of water forever. I really like water. To me, water is a beverage. The only thing that I do in my own water is I add a dropper full of liquid minerals, full spectrum minerals, because I like minerals. I think minerals are really good. Um, so I do add that, but this thing that people do where, because they're drinking, uh, soda, I won't name any by name. Oh, Coca-Cola. Uh, you know, people think they're hydrating. It, it amazes me that, and let alone what's in all of those things. You know, I know what's in my water. I trust my water. I do purify it quite a bit. Um, because I know that there can be issues, you know, there are people who drink either distilled water or reverse osmosis water, which I'm personally not a fan of, unless you go to balance it back out, meaning add back in all the minerals you've stripped out in RO or distillation. I understand why, but those can strip, can't those strip things out of your system if you're drinking nothing but RO or distilled water? Can't they be, I want to say hazardous, but that seems strong. They can, they can, absolutely chelate minerals out. Distilled water especially is known as a chelator, so it can pull things out of your body. And uh, reverse osmosis water, clinically speaking, I've, I've worked with a lot of people, I look at a lot of different labs, and most people that drink reverse osmosis water come in and their labs and their urine look like they're dehydrated. And they report to me, no, I'm drinking a gallon a day, and you know, they're 130. 50 pounds, and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't right. How, so it, it's not proven yet, but my hypothesis is that when water goes through the reverse osmosis process, there's um, high pressure to it, and, and it's, it's pushed through these different uh, aspects of the, the process. And I think it changes the structure of the water such that it's more difficult to absorb it. This is just what I'm guessing clinically because I keep seeing people who drink so much reverse osmosis water being dehydrated again and again. So for me, I like to drink wild water, spring water, whenever possible. And, uh, And that seems to hydrate people. When I get people onto spring water, they seem more hydrated. Now, I love that you're adding minerals to your water. I think it's so wise. A lot of people have mineral deficiencies. They're not getting it from their food because of gut damage. They're not getting it from water because they're drinking all sorts of filtered stuff. And so I think it's really wise that you're doing that. I think it's a really, really important for listeners to hear that that is a, could be a really good option. Uh, I have my favorite brands. I'm sure you have your favorite brands. But water is, is tricky because people think that if they're drinking green tea that it's hydrating or they're drinking soda, it's hydrating. And those things actually leach water out of your body because it takes water 
to process those other liquids, whether it's green tea, the caffeine, whether it's coffee, whether it's soda, whether it's Powerade. It actually takes more water to filter that stuff out of you. So it's not technically very hydrating. In fact, it can be more dehydrating. So I also love that you're drinking water with your coffee, and we can talk about coffee later. Maybe on your next show I'll give you my coffee spiel. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I know. (laughs) But I don't care. That's my mental. That's my mental choice. It's like I know, I know, and I don't care. Good. I love my organic cup of coffee. I don't drink Good. drink it, you know, excessively. But it's just it's. Mm-hmm. And for me, it is part of that that psychosomatic. I have the psychosomatic thing of great pleasure from my morning cup of coffee. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a that's a that's part of the upward spiral. I know about caffeine. I know yeah. all of those things, but I'm also counterbalancing. Perhaps this is all just a dance in my mind, but I'm counterbalancing mm-hmm. with my glasses of water and my minerals and yeah. But yes. yeah, yeah. Coffee's a whole. Are you? There's the whole. Go ahead. Yes, it is. I was going to ask you. Are you aware of who Dr. Ames is? Yes. He created the test for carcinogenicity that uh, the FDA uses and a lot of people use now. And he he would teach, you know, people are so worried about chemicals in their environment, but his favorite test subject was a cup of coffee. And he found 20 to 200 carcinogens in one cup. Didn't matter if it was organic or not. And so in this whole uh, movement of like prevent cancer, or not, I shouldn't say prevent cancer, I should say fight cancer, uh, uh, win the battle against cancer, so many people, let's research and, and find a cure for cancer. So much money, time, energy is going into a cure when 98% of all cancers are technically, scientifically preventable. And most people don't understand these little things they do every day that accumulates in their system day after day, week after week, month after month, and boom, then they get an illness. Now, of course, there is a psychosomatic piece to it. There is a nutritional piece. There is a gut piece. There is an immune piece. There could be a genetic piece. There are a lot of other pieces. But what we're putting in our mouth really does matter. And Dr. Ames was a pioneer who really who really shone light on on coffee and um I'm sorry to report all of that, but I believe everybody should be informed consumers. I'm not here to judge. I don't. I really am not attached to anyone drinking coffee, but someone who drinks coffee and then, you know, complains that they're a victim of cancer and oh, they did everything right, they weren't well informed. So I just believe that people deserve information so that they can they can bless that coffee and pray over it and and be happy. <laughs> Right. Um, th- this is a whole another show, a third show. Um, we can talk about Dr. Emoto's work in water and liquids, and and his blessings and his. And I'm I'm a fan of that thinking as well. So yes, I do have a little bit of uh, stuff that I do with my coffee, and I and I think Beautiful. part of the issue with coffee, because I've done my, uh, I not unlike yourself, <laughs> him and a rat in a maze of learning. And one of the things that 
I did a lot of research in environmental conditions and illnesses and exposures and all of that, so that's why I, I use the term total toxic load. <clears throat> One of the issues with coffee is that it comes from other countries and it's put into containers and shipped here. And a lot of time those containers get some kind of pathogen active, often a fungus. And in tr most, well, I would say 75, I'll be generous and say 75% of those coffees are never tested for mold or mildew. And that can create a, just a nasty cascade of byproducts. I'm, I'm a fan of fungus as medicine, but in terms of an environmental invasive and black mold and all that, wow, that's a whole thing unto itself. Absolutely. So I, I, Absolutely. I understand why that has potential to be tricky. And that being said, I'll take a sip of coffee. Uh, no. Um, so I can Same see. I can chocolate, see that. We'll just say. <laughs> okay. Yes. Chocolate's another thing. I'm also a fan of organic. All of all right. the correct words that we would want to use. Whole food, <laughs> pure chocolate. Not chemistry I have a new chocolate line coming out, so I'm excited. Another show, we'll talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I can already see, I don't want to dive in now talking about the, more of the specifics of the holistic keto diet because I can see we're going to want to do a, a completely separate show where we really talk about it because it, there's so much great information in your holistic keto but I think this is a great foundation for the next show that we're going to do soon. Is that okay? It's really okay. It sounds fun. <laughs> we'll always have fun. That's, that's a driving force for me. Even if we're talking about the gnarliest things like glyphosate, we haven't even gone there. <laughs> oh, <foundational>. that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I have to ask you, we're at that point where I want to ask you, do you work with people one-on-one? -on -one? And if so, how do they do that? And where would you like people to find your book and all of that kind of information? Mm -hmm. Yes, I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. I do functional blood chemistry analysis, often remotely over video um, all over the world. Mm. And I see one-on-one -on -one patients in various places that I travel. I do one-on-one -on -one retreats, uh, VIP retreats for four or five days in a row, and people either bring me to them or I bring them to Costa Rica. And we do a very deep dive of six to eight hours a day of hands-on work, guided meditations, qigong practices, cacao ceremony, sound healing, acupuncture, functional medicine, like you name it, advanced cranial sacral, neural therapy, perineural therapy, you name it. We pull out all the stops, and that's a really, really fun, fun retreat that is a serious upgrade to your not only body, but your life and your relationships. And so people can find me on my website. Uh, I'll give you the easy website, guthappyketo.com. Guthappyketo.com. And you can find my books there. I have two books and the third one I just finished, which is really exciting. Um, you can find them on my website. You can find them at Barnes & Noble. You can find them on Amazon. Wonderful. Thank you. 
I was going to ask a question, but that'll lead to a whole other conversation. Um, I'm excited about the new book. That's a third show. We already have a third show scheduled. Uh, we could just do a monthly, uh, you know, once a month, every six weeks uh, show. There's so much. Uh, great. I, we talked fun. backstage about having a lot of great conver- conversations and commonalities. And I just think your work is, is great and explained, explainable, followable, doable, which is always the hard part. It's like, can I actually do this? It actually makes sense, and you do it. Wow, you feel better. How shocking. I love that. Uh, thank you so much, Kristen. That was awesome. And everybody have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.